my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week, we're looking at the Bible, Jesus, and the end times. And the big question for today, is talk of the end times just sensational fear-mongering? And today, our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in, here in South Oz. Welcome, David. Good afternoon, Gary. It is wonderful to have you uh, have you back with us again. Isn't it a marvellous day out there again? It is a marvellous day, and a highlight of my week is uh, being here to talk to our listeners and to sit opposite you and look into your glorious I know. Face. I know you've said a few times that this is only, the only real ministry that you actually do all week. Um, now it's, I, I know that's hard to believe, but uh, uh, is that true? Um, no comment. No, no, course, no, no course course it's not true. Yeah. Of course, it's of course not true, true. Yeah, no, it's wonderful to have you with us, uh, David. Uh, look, tell us a little bit about your background. You know what? What brought you to become a pastor? Yeah, the prompting of the Holy Spirit over over probably a couple of decades, or maybe maybe ten years. I guess ten, twelve years. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, Seventh-day Adventist Christian home, um, had some incredible spiritual role models in my parents mm. and uh, had head knowledge but no heart knowledge. And um, long story short, uh, lost my best friend at age 26, uh, mm-hmm. who was my cousin. And, um, uh, yeah, his journey uh, to death mm. and his faithfulness uh, sort of really uh, was something that resonated with me to – um, to be faithful myself, and it was a long journey, I guess. But yeah, the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Wow, wow, that's a that's an amazing journey. It's one. It's amazing how a one person's life actually impacts on somebody else's life. How we rub off on each other, isn't it? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, David, though, is there something that, as a minister that you really enjoy preaching on? Yeah, look, I like church history. That's one thing. Um, Church history of the Christian church, but evangelistic preaching, I guess, is what I really enjoy. And the other thing is um, the stories, and often the stories of the Old Testament, just trying to bring those to life. I say trying to bring them to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real art form being able to do uh, exactly that. And of course, uh, this particular weekend, you're preaching at uh, my church over there at uh, at Brighton. Now that's going to be eleven o'clock. 11 o'clock, Amelia Street, The Hove, and you're going to be preaching on what this weekend? going to be preaching on the return of Jesus, the second coming, and um, looking at, um, uh, yeah, I guess being ready, uh, looking at what it's all about, because often we have a whole lot of uh, focus on signs and people looking for the return of Jesus, watching for all of these things. I'm going to be actually changing tack and really um, driving from a different angle at something that's critical if yeah. we want to be ready when Jesus comes back. Yeah, And no. so, Gary, I'd really love to see the people that we don't get to see. 
Yeah, well, that's. Uh, I'm interested that you say that, of course, David, because we've got a little bit of a problem at our church this particular Sabbath, and uh, that's because uh, uh, we've got a number of our, quite a number of our church actually, doing a mission project. Now, I love these little mission projects that our guys go on, and they're going across to Kangaroo Island. They're going to be running a, a, a very significant program. They're going to be putting it uh, on the internet. You'll be able to watch it on the internet. It's a mission project. But that means that I actually have to stay behind to care for the church. You're going to come along and make sure that I care for the church properly and uh, uh, and we're not going to have as many people as we normally have. So, I'm but, but Gary, you want some of our Adelaide listeners, and if you're interstate, you can fly into Adelaide. We'd love to have you do that. There's maybe no quarantine, depending where you come from. But, Gary, we want people in Adelaide to come along and listen. Oh, we do. We? That means that what we've got this week are some spare seats. So what's our number? Let's get them to text in whether they're going to come or not. Oh, that that would be a wonderful idea. That's uh, 04 double, uh, 04 triple eight, 808 11. That's 04 triple eight, 808 11. Now, that's our number uh, for our text messaging. Now, please don't ring that because it's a text message number only, but please feel free to text us in and say, hey, look, I'm coming this weekend. And um, more importantly than listening to the Word of oh, sorry, the most important thing is listening to the Word of God, but you'll get to see Gary, the big questions uh, leader. So thank you. Uh, well, that's probably you've probably turned off quite a number of listeners at that particular point. <laughs> so, so I'll be there for those. But you'll be there off. for those listeners, yeah. David, look, while you're here, you're the leader of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz, and I'd just love to pick up a, uh, an issue that's really impacting the Christian world right now. Uh, I came across an article and of course right across the world generally not just the christian world this issue of just of justice is becoming more and more vocalized in so many different parts of our world there are calls for justice everywhere now i came across an article and uh, uh, this is what it said uh, it was entitled why defining justice is necessary for doing justice. I'm going to get you to comment on this in just a moment. And this is what the article says. One of the more memorable lines written by C.S. Lewis has to do with whether or not a sense of morality is innate to human beings. Whenever you find a man who says he does not believe in real right and wrong, you will find the same man going back on this a moment later. He may break his promise to you, but if you try breaking one to him, uh, he will go on complaining. It's not fair. It's not fair. Our culture in particular is full of demands for justice of all kinds. Social justice, economic justice, LGBTQ justice, environmental justice, radical justice, even reproductive justice. At the same time, It's not always clear what is meant by justice. Too often, demands for justice are undergirded by radical uh, radical ideas about right and wrong, about fairness, about the human person, and thanks to the wide application of critical theory, about power dynamics. Demands for justice may be getting louder and louder, but that doesn't mean we're making any progress as a society. True justice is the matter of honouring God and honouring the image of God inherent in every human person and is grounded in God's love for humanity, our love for God and our love for our neighbour. 
many Christians are rightly concerned by words like justice and social justice. And I, I agree with them totally on this. They, they point out that these words are being wrongly used and therefore they've abandoned them altogether. I've actually heard from many of them. And yet the same God who inspired the scriptures said, He has told you, O man, what is good, what the Lord does require of you, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In Matthew 7.12, Jesus said, Whatever you wish that men do to you, do so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You know, David, I'm so conscious that understanding definitions in this matter is so absolutely vital. The problem is not with the quest for social justice, I suggest. The problem is what happens when that quest is undertaken from a framework that is not compatible with scriptural ethics. Today, many Christians accept conclusions that are generated from madness machines that are wired with very different presuppositions about reality than those we find enunciated in the scriptures. Now, now, David, just this whole area, because I'm conscious that there is so much confusion in our, in our world right now. What, what is the problem with this secular version of social justice, you know, this political, politicized form of social justice. Is there a problem with it? What is that problem? I think there are a number of things. Now, obviously, uh, we want true biblical social justice, correct? Yes, because that was one of the things that the prophets in the Old Testament, they continually talked about this Bible thing of calls for. justice. Yeah, absolutely. So when we try and create social justice and equity, if it's not built on the word of God, if it's not built on the framework of God, if it's not built with the right intent, then it's going to be, uh, the further it goes along, it can become divergent. In other words, the political form of social justice that's actually being promoted in our world today has got real problems. But why is that? Well, some of it does. So I'll tell you why in a minute. But but often I see it's almost like a vigilante with some of these things calling for certain people to step down uh, and the louder the voices grow and often uh, sponsors of various things will be contacted, put more pressure on. Now, it is certainly appropriate in some instances for certain people to step down or for things to stop. But often it, it can end up being a mob mentality that, that ends up occurring. The I anger believe. culture that is connected to so much of this political correctness is actually a frightening to behold. So although the goal may be appropriate. Even worthy. Or worthy. The way it's, the, the framework that it's based on and often the way it's, you go about achieving it, it can be flawed. Yeah. Now, I want to suggest to you that, um, uh, you know, most of our, most, uh, Western countries have had a framework that uh, was built upon uh, scriptural principles, yeah. at least part yeah. in yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, we've diverged from that. We've drifted. And the further we drift, the more problems we get. The yeah. further we drift yeah. from God, yeah. the more problems yeah. we get. So essentially, um, yeah, social justice through political changes will never, ever bring about the ultimate social justice. Why not? Because, well, I think um, Jeremiah 17 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things, is desperately wicked. So humanity's 
core problem is sin, selfishness, and pride. We're wicked. Mm. Um, we've seen large social media companies hauled before Senate inquiries in America in years gone by, and uh, recently they come out and they, they ban, they take a, a, an ethical stance to, to ban a former president mm. from being on their, their thing. Now, that might be appropriate, but one minute they're, they're bad players, the next minute they're playing God, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the heart is desperately wicked above all things. So, when in other tr- words, the problem with humanity is actually this issue of sin, sin and the natural desire to do wicked things. Yes. So, although the end goal may be worthy, if it's gone about it through political means, it won't produce something lasting and something that is truly uh, justice. Because the, we are not equipped to be able to fulfil. The end objective. Because we're not just in and because of ourselves. we are not just. We are, the scripture says, wicked above all things. And I, I sort of look at that and I say, hey, that's not a very good uh, view of humanity. And yet continually in the scriptures, without Jesus Christ, without something else coming in, that's how scripture actually describes humanity. And certainly we want governments to put frameworks in place around a lot of things, correct? However, if you're after ultimate success, if you really want true uh, social justice, surely it has to come from the right framework ultimately. And that's the word of God, I believe. And uh, the word of God and the reality of a changed heart. You know, David, one of the things that I'm so conscious of here is that in particularly I love the way the New Testament puts it. You know, you've got John chapter 3 talks about you must be born again. Uh, you know, you've got this uh, passage where Paul talks about, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. And what you're actually talking about is a new person. You're talking about a new style of living. When a person is born again, what seems to happen is uh, the individual is actually changed. Their heart is changed. They start to think differently. Now, when they start to think differently, they start to think about their neighbor differently. They start to think about the politics differently. They start, there is a different attitude that comes in. So what we're seeing is a complete change rather than just a a, um, a renovation, a renovation, and and that's what we're fo- that, that's what I believe we're actually seeing with so many of these calls for uh, doing justice at the moment. We're seeing a renovation, an attempted political change, but the problem is the human heart is actually not changed, which means you're not going to deal with the problem. And yet, Scripture, I suggest to you, does actually suggest a solution. Uh, you must be born. Be born. You've actually got Jesus Christ is actually the solution to a problem our world is struggling with and doesn't know where to find the solution. We're looking everywhere else. We're looking solution. everywhere else. Indeed, indeed. David, look, let's come to some some music. Uh, love, uh, uh, Salah. Uh, this is uh, you are my hiding place. This is a, this is a really beautiful. This is a wonderful song that I. Uh, the more I, I hear it, uh, the more conscious I am that uh, the Lord God, He is the one who is able to change hearts and minds. Please enjoy Salah. You are my hiding place. With songs 
Let us know your thoughts on 04888-80811. That's 04888-80811. And that is our one, that's our text number. Uh, if you'd like to text in, uh, some comments, questions, or if you would like the, uh, the drive time team to pray for you, uh, please feel free to use that particular number, uh, to make your request or your comment, uh, to today's program. We may not be able to get you on straight away today, uh, but we will certainly try to get in, uh, responses to our, uh, to our program. Now, we have a free gift for you today. 
And I'd love to be able to, to share with you. We've got uh, Amazing Facts, Hidden Truth magazine. This is a fantastic uh, little magazine. It is so condensed. Uh, it's not a lot of reading, uh, but it will tell you more biblical hidden truth than you thought uh, thought possible. If you'd like a copy of the Amazing Facts, Hidden Truth magazine, uh, then just send your, your name and your address. Text uh, your name, your address, and your telephone number. Uh, just text it to uh, 04 808 11 that's 04 888 808 11 and we'll get that to you uh, as fast as uh, as we are physically able also if you would like to make any comments you've got any questions about today's subject or if you would like to have prayer if you'd like to say hey pastor gary uh, we'd love you to pray for us uh, then Please, if you'd like us to pray for you on air, we're happy to do that on air. If you'd prefer to say not on air, uh, then we'll come back to you uh, not on air. So if you'd like us to pray for you, uh, please feel free to um, uh, to, to make that uh, that request. We would love uh, to have you uh Share, share with us your needs and your, uh, and your desires. Now, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, a big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today, our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia. And this week, we're looking at the Bible, Jesus, and the end times. And the big question for today is, is talk of the end times just sensational Fear-mongering. Now, uh, this is a this is a really interesting one. Uh, when I was doing my research for this particular uh, subject, uh, I stumbled across an article. It was uh, a brief history of failed end time predictions. Now, I actually didn't realise there were so many. I knew there were quite a number out there, but according to Wiki, there have been a hundred and eighty-three end of the world predictions that have failed. Now, of course, if there have been predictions and the Lord hasn't come, they must be all failures. Um, many of these were prophesied by religious zealots uh, through fear, propaganda. Now, I don't want to go through all 183 of uh, uh, in, in this list, but some of them are so, uh, are so instructive. In 1284, Pope Innocent III predicted that the world would end 666 years after the rise of Islam. Okay. Uh, in 1658, Christopher Columbus claimed that the world was created in 5,343 B.C. and would last 7,000 years. Assuming no zero year, that means the end would come in 1658. And what year was Christopher Columbus speaking, 1658. Uh, my own denomination, the newly formed Seventh-day Adventist Church, a group founded by former Millerites who themselves had come largely from the Baptist, uh, from a Baptist background, uh, predicted the second coming would be in 1844. That, of course, failed. Um, psychic Jeannie Dixon predicted that on February 4, 1962, a planetary alignment was to bring destruction to the world. 
Uh, evangelist Pat Robinson uh, predicted in 1976 that the end of the world was coming in October or November 1982. Now these are common names that certainly in the religious field uh, we've heard bandied around a fair bit. Hal Lindsay suggested that the rapture would take place in 1987 reasoning that it was 40 years, one biblical generation after Israel gained statehood. Harold Camping predicted the rapture would occur on September 6, 1994. I can remember uh, the uh, the uh, this prediction that uh, certainly went around the religious world at that particular time. When it failed to occur, he revised the date to September 29 and then to October 2. And so it, uh, so it kept on going. Pat Robinson in his 1990 book, The New Millennium, suggested April 29, 2007 as the day of Earth's final destruction. You know, David, this list just goes on and on and on. And uh, according to Wiki, there's what? There's 183 of uh, of these that uh, certainly they have uh, uh, they have uh, have researched now you know today we're talking about the end times as a just sensational fear mongering now one of the things that we we do have to acknowledge is that there has certainly been a lot of people who have made a lot of false claims about uh, this particular event so let's come to today's subject and we're talking today about the end times is it just sensational fear mongering? Are we just, uh, you know, is this, are we today talking about just uh, one more uh, example of something that hasn't taken place at least 183 times before? And surely it must be thousands of times, Gary. Um, you know, there was the, the Mayan, end of the Mayan calendar, 2012, wasn't it? I, I didn't um, pull that one out, but I that's mean, in there, there as well. So many, and, and, I guess it's a bit like the false messiahs. Uh, Gamaliel, I think, talks in the book of Acts uh, about uh, many people that have come and claimed to be something and they haven't. So with the end times, every single time someone makes a claim and it's way out there and it's false, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. And we have people then that just every time they hear one of these things, they either switch off completely or they ridicule it all. Yeah. And Satan's yeah. really happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Is the talk of the end times just sensational fear-mongering? Uh, I would say no, but I, I would qualify that. It has to be based on the Word of God. If it's not, as many of these other 180-odd that you've uh, you've touched on some of those, then it is simply uh, sensational fear-mongering. And, Gary, as I thought about this topic, I remember walking through uh, and any mall through Australia, perhaps you could see this, and I've seen it in some of them before, but here in Adelaide, every now and again when I've been in there, usually to visit the Apple store yeah, uh, yeah. for something, um, <laughs> there's regularly a, a man there, uh, probably well-intentioned, and he is preaching, uh, preaching strongly at, at uh, the secular society that they must be born again, that unless they repent of their sins, they'll burn in the fires of hell. Yeah. They need to listen to this. Now, while a lot of what he says uh, is certainly what I've heard, I should say, while a lot of that may be biblically true, what it's creating among some people is almost like a laughing stock and sensational fear-mongering. And 
I think further, and so we do have a role to tell the world, okay? Yeah. There yeah, has yeah. to be a way of doing it. So there that. is a legitimate issue here uh, about, a Christ, I mean, Christ does talk. We talked about this yesterday. Christ does talk about coming again, about a second coming, about an appearing. He, he does talk about that. He does. He does. But um, Christianity uh, at times has not had a very good track record of um, engaging people. And uh, you've probably been through the, the Middle East and Europe, and I remember about 10 years ago actually going through many um, cathedrals, uh, etc., through Europe, looking at the growth and the birth of the Protestant Reformation. Mm. And many of the medieval churches, I think largely of a number of the Roman Catholic churches, have these incredible paintings on the ceilings. Yeah. And as you look up at these paintings, they're incredible but they're of uh, naked people burning in hell with uh, with demons and devils with prongs poking them. There are flames everywhere. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking if you went there as a child and you looked up, um, it's fear that is driving you to obedience. And, and, and David, that is so true because I'm actually so conscious that on occasions I've actually preached on this subject of death and, you know, that what the scriptures actually say about hell, which is so different to that picture that is actually a painted so often but I have uh, I've shared that with the people and one of the things I've done is shared some old time sermons uh, and of course some of these old time sermons actually physically describe what hell is actually like graphically yeah. to the people and of course these sermons were written in the 16, 17, 1800s um, but I, I am totally convinced that I wouldn't want to go to heaven after listening to these uh, I wouldn't want to go to hell after listening to these particular uh, descriptions by these preachers absolutely so we need to be careful how we present the word of Indeed. God so Gary um, to counter um, this whole fear thing, we need to understand who God is. Yeah. The Bible says that God is love. Yeah. And that, that is his essence. He is love. Uh, and the beloved disciple, 1 John 4.18, he says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Mm. So God is a God of love. Uh, often we see interactions with humanity with angels or with Jesus himself. Mm. And, and often what the angels or Jesus will say when they encounter people is, fear not. Yeah. We first come across fear in Genesis when Adam and Eve have chosen, uh, been deceived by Satan, they choose sin and they are naked and they're afraid and they hide from God. Mm. So God is the complete opposite of fear. Mm. However, because God is a God of love, he doesn't want anyone to be lost. Okay. And we'll, we'll, we'll end up the, here later on in, in the study. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. So the Bible does talk about end times. It does have warnings. It's a warning to be ready. God provides a rescue. Because as we're talking about with the whole social justice thing, the world is not going to improve yeah. Overall, it's going to deteriorate and get worse. Prophecy tells us this. Exactly. It's degrading. It's degenerating. Yeah. 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 A- and um, so we need to understand that. But there is always a rescue plan. So is talk of the end times just sensational fear-mongering? I believe it's fear-mongering if the events in question don't come to pass. Mm-hmm. Or it can be. Let me let me give you a little brief survey, Gary. Um 
right back there in Genesis chapter 6. Mm-hmm. We have uh, God looked at the earth and it, everyone was evil and evil continually, except there was one man that found grace in the sight of God. Noah found Noah. grace in the eyes of the Lord. He did. And then God says that in Genesis 6 that, you know, his spirit won't always strive with man, that humanity would be destroyed. Mm. Uh, and we know there that uh, it took to 120 years uh, we know that God told Noah to build an ark. Now, not only was he a builder, but Second Peter two five calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. Mm-hmm. What was Noah doing? Noah was evidently not just preaching a sermon or a Mother's Day sermon or a Father's Day sermon. He was preaching a sermon that was so critical that everyone could hear because it was a life and death sermon. What is the purpose of this ark? Exactly. The ark is is a rescue ship. Mm. It's an avenue of salvation, and yeah. it's a picture of the gospel. Yeah. So Noah is preaching a life and death sermon for every human being. Yeah. Yeah. It was available to them all. Now, he was preaching destruction as well, wasn't he? Doom and destruction. The world's going to be destroyed. But he by was also preaching a way of safety. Exactly. So if all we are doing is preaching doom, conspiracy, and you name it, and there is no grace, gospel, salvation, then it is sensational fear-mongering. And and this is one of the real challenges that I know that I'm certainly encountering in my ministry right now. There are some people who sort of – who appear to follow uh, conspiracy theories more than they follow the Word of God. And conspiracy theories to me are almost starting – are starting to get uh, quite frightening because while some of them, I'm conscious, may have an element of truth to them, um, the vast majority are actually that – Conspiracy theories. And we take our eyes off Jesus, and when they don't come about to be true, people lose confidence. And so then then deceive when the real thing comes. So here we have Noah preaching righteousness, but preaching destruction, but Mm -hmm. there is an avenue of escape. It's the the ark that the whole world could have uh, been part of. In Genesis 19, uh, we have the story of the wicked city of Sodom. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a horrific city. Uh, God was going to destroy it because its sins had come up uh, to God. And uh, we know there that two angels go into Sodom, Genesis 19. Uh, Lot greets them. He invites them into his house. And we have here the the sin of homosexuality, actually. Um, And the angels end up, the end of the story, the angels end up saying to Lot, grab your daughters, uh, your wife and your daughters and your son-in-laws and leave. This city is going to mm-hmm. be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Lot goes to uh, his son-in-laws and um, if I can find the verse, I think it's verse 14. Uh, Lot goes to them uh, and he tells them the city is going to be destroyed, but his, son-in- his son-in-laws just laugh at him and think he's joking. Exactly, exactly. And so Lot leaves with his daughters and his wife. Mm. And the city is destroyed, and ultimately we know his wife. So his son-in-laws perished mm-hmm. because they thought he was joking. They thought it was a joke. Yeah, yeah. They didn't take something that was actually real seriously. And, you know, that is an incredible challenge for today because if, in fact, what the Scriptures uh, say are real, and to me, as I read the Scriptures and I read the uh, certainly the prophetic material that's been fulfilled in the past, I say, hey, uh, this is actually the evidence says uh, that uh, there is so much truth to what the Scripture is saying that we would be very foolish to deny it. God has had a rescue plan uh, from the foundation of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Mm. So mm. before sin, there was a plan. Yeah, yeah. Once sin entered, that plan is enacted. 
it's almost uh, like uh, I suppose a father. You know, we, you know, when when my children were were growing up, you would turn and uh, there were there was counsel that you would give to your to your children, uh, and you'd say to them, "Hey, I don't want you doing this." I don't want you sticking your finger in the electric socket because if you do, there's something bad is going to happen to you. Uh, and, you know, to me, I mean, do I have that right? You do, and you're not fear-mongering, are you? Exactly, exactly. There's a reality that if there's no safety switch, and there wouldn't have been probably um, with your age, Gary. Indeed, uh, indeed. There's no safety <laughs> switch, and they put their finger in, something's going to happen. Exactly. exactly. So history is moving to a definite outcome. This yeah. world is going to end. Yeah. Uh, God has created a rescue plan. Why did Jesus die? Mm. Just to to die? No, to rescue us. Yeah. So there is destruction that is preached, impending destruction, but there is always hope. We have the prophets in the Old Testament uh, predicting that if God's people failed to return to him, they'd go into captivity. Was it uh, fear-mongering? No, it came true. But there was an avenue of escape. Obedience would have brought them back to God and they would have been spared some of that. Matthew yeah. 24, verses 16 to 20. Uh, you, you would have, this was covered yesterday, I believe, but Jesus is talking about events of the end of the world, signs, if you like, but also the destruction of Jerusalem. He predicts the destruction of Jerusalem in advance and he says, when you see some of these things happen, flee. Mm-hmm. Now, we know through um, history that uh, many of these Jewish Christians, or all of them, fled the city of Jerusalem uh, in AD 70 prior to its destruction. Yeah, yeah. So God was, Jesus was predicting doom and destruction, but there was salvation. There was a, and sometimes our picture of Jesus, you know, uh, I'm so conscious that, uh, you know, to many in the Christian world today, we have Jesus, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, you know, and you get the story of, uh, and yet Jesus, uh, while he was certainly uh, meek, he was mild, he was humble, yet by the same token, he was also prepared to give warnings uh, to both his disciples and to the and to the world generally at that time that things are going to change, that not everything is is going to be peace and safety uh, as you move into history. That's exactly right. I mean, here is Jesus uh, weeping over Jerusalem because yeah. he could see, one, they've rejected him um, and, and the consequence of that. Gary, um, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. First, uh, that was the first verse I ever learned. I ever memorized that verse, actually. Yeah. Uh, Jesus has just announced to his disciples that he's going to be leaving them or is mm. about to announce mm. to them that he's going to mm. be leaving mm. them. A- and this is what he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way you know. Yeah. So, let me suggest to you that the basis of the Christians, the focus of the Old Testament is the coming Messiah. Yeah. yeah. The focus of the New Testament is the coming King. Yeah. Yeah. A- and so um, the cross is the foundation, if you like. It is the, it's the dividing line between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's what, the cross is what binds the two 
are together so beautifully. You know, you have the gospel in the Old Testament as surely as you have it in the New Testament. Absolutely. Very clear, very yeah. vivid. Yeah. And so these New Testament Christians, what made them faithful? What made them have an intense relationship and a deep relationship with Jesus was the focus of his return, yeah. the hope that they would see their best friend again. Yeah. And so the New Testament is geared, the New Testament writers are geared to the return of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. not as some um, sad event, yeah. although it will be sad for those who have rejected Jesus, Yeah, yeah. but a day that is glorious. Yeah. You know, Jesus is, is you know, the thing that I, and we're going to come to this, you know, I, I really love that uh, that passage in uh, uh, in Second Peter, and we will come to this at the very end because I, I really want to emphasize the importance of this. Jesus, um, Peter, uh, explains why uh, Jesus has delayed his coming. Mm. And I love this particular passage. The Lord is not slack. Uh, this is Second uh, Peter 3, nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some people count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now this is, this passage is in the context of the day of the Lord. That's what the passage goes on to talk about. What does that say to you, David, about the type of God we actually serve? Well, I, I believe justice and mercy go together. Yeah. God is saying there is a day of reckoning. The world is coming to an end. But he said, this is being delayed. This is, uh, you know, I, I'm waiting. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for as long as I can so that everyone has an opportunity. Yeah. To make yeah. a decision isn't that, and hopefully make the right decision. Isn't that absolutely amazing? We live in a world that is demanding in every front justice, and yet the scriptures talk about a God who wants to give justice and mercy. It's as though the two actually go together so beautifully. It's almost like there's a waiting period because God is just waiting and longing and, and his spirit is still working and he's yeah. called us as his followers to, to be voice, uh, voices for him and the ha- his hands and feet. In other words, justice without mercy can actually become incredibly cruel. Absolutely. So we serve a, a God of justice but a God of mercy at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah. Look, let's come to some, some music. Uh, this is uh, Ron and uh, Patty, a valet. Uh, you, shall, uh, you shall not need uh, to fight is their song. You shall not need to fight in this battle Set yourself, stand ye still And see the salvation of the Lord with you O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not
You shall not need to fight in this battle. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, fear not. Let us know your thoughts on 0488 808 We've got a wonderful gift uh, for you today. That's the Amazing Facts Hidden Truth magazine. Uh, you will love this particular magazine. It digs into um, biblical truth uh, in such a concise way uh, that you will stand absolutely amazed. If you would like the Amazing Facts Hidden Truth magazine, just write Hidden Truth or with your name, your address and your phone number and text that uh, to to us here at the studio. Our text number is uh, uh, 04 888 That's 04-888-808-11. Now, you can also use uh, that number if you've got any comments or questions about today's subject. Please feel free to text any comments, questions, or if you'd like to have prayer. We would love to be able to pray for you. If you've got some uh, particular need, please feel free. If you uh, don't want that to go on air, just simply say, uh, keep this private, and uh, and we'll certainly acknowledge that, but we'll certainly get back to you uh, uh, to you privately. Uh, so if you would like to make a comment, questions, prayer, if you'd like to request our Hidden Truth uh, magazine, uh, then uh, please just a text, your name, your address and your phone number to 04888 11 and uh, I believe you'll be, you'll be richly blessed. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, this week we're looking at, the, at Jesus uh, and the end times and the big question for today is is talk of the end times just sensational fear-mongering? David, really appreciate what you've been sharing so so far because it actually makes uh, so much sense. But uh, bring it all together for us if you can. So the second coming, these end time events and the second coming is the climactic event of Earth's history. Jesus is coming to bring salvation, final salvation. And uh, Luke twenty one twenty eight. I'm not sure, uh, Gary, if our people are, you know, this is a wonderful text, verse 28. It, it, Jesus is talking about the various signs and the calamities in the world and people's hearts failing them for fear. And then he says to his followers, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Yeah. So this is the rescue day. Yeah. This is the day of being reunited with our best friend. Yeah. This is not a, a day of uh, of fear yeah. for those who love Jesus. Yeah. But for those who have chosen not to be in a relationship, their hearts are failing them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hebrews nine twenty. It's interesting that passage actually says their hearts are failing them for the for the um, because of the things which are coming on the earth. And, you know, as I sort of look at my world at the present time, I'm actually talking to more and more people now who not because of uh, any um, any biblical preaching, but just simply because of what is coming on the earth, I'm hearing incredible amounts of fear being expressed. That's exactly right. So it comes down to 
do we believe the word of God? Yeah. Uh, Paul in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, this is what he tells his, his readers. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So Paul is saying that when we invite Jesus into our hearts, when we give our lives to him, we have citizenship in heaven. We have a place in heaven, John 14, yeah. 1 to 3, that Jesus prepared. So yeah. these end time events, uh, we get to realize, one, uh, our resurrected believers, our loved ones yeah. that have fallen yeah. asleep in Jesus. Yeah. That what have a died. thought. What a thought. Our bodies are transformed. Yeah. Uh, you and I will look... Um, yeah, well, I can tell you, I'm starting to feel the effects of age now. And I mean, I didn't until just a few years ago, but I'm slowly starting to feel it. And you know, David, I, I start of, I start to realize my mother used to say to me when she was about my age, um, Gary, the uh, getting old is not for sissies. And I used to laugh because uh, my mother saying, saying that uh, really, it really did impact me. But it's only in more recent years that I'm starting to, to realize that she spoke a great deal of truth. So at this climactic, climactic event, the second coming, the return of Jesus, our bodies are transformed. They're indeed, renewed. Indeed. Not just renewed into yeah, an earthly yeah. body, but a perfect body. Yeah, yeah. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. incorruption. I love what Paul's actually saying there because, you know, currently we have got bodies which are subject to death and disease disease and suffering and pain but you know this when paul says this corruptible that which can be corrupted will put on incorruption you're sort of saying hey uh, a new day is coming so this end time event these end time things it's it's promise it's hope yeah. so much so that paul to the young minister titus in chapter 2 verse 13 he says looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great god and savior Jesus Christ. Uh, the word blessed also can mean happy. It's a happy hope. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because our bodies will be restored. Uh, lost loved ones who have died in the faith in Jesus will be resurrected, will be reunited with Jesus. Yeah. Everything will be made new. Um, uh, you know, there'll be no more sin. And you tie that together with what Revelation talks about there, where it talks about the uh, no more sin, but it talks about uh, there's a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth are passed away. You know, David, when I considered that Jesus Christ, when he, how he created this world originally, how lush it was, was. You know, we are struggling so much at the present time because of the environment. Uh, but uh, Jesus uh, actually talks about the environment. And he says, hey, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new, a earth. new earth. So there is an incentive for us while we wait. What yeah. should we be doing? Yeah. And uh, throughout the New Testament, we're challenged to live holy and godly lives. Um, uh, you know, we have a responsibility. Um, first John chapter three, verses two and three. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then he says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So this yeah. is, John is talking about this hope. Of Jesus returning and us being changed and and all of these things. And he says, okay, if we have this hope, we need to put away sin. We need to live godly lives. And the gospel writers talk about this. The, the biblical writers put, talk about this, putting away uncleanliness, fornication, passion, passions and evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry, Colossians 3, verse 4 and 5. Mm. So there is a way that we should live. 
But I want to take us back, Gary. You mentioned back to Second Peter chapter mm, three, mm, please. Second uh, Peter chapter three. Actually, before I do that, um, Paul in to the Thessalonians, uh, they're fearful. They think they've missed the second coming. Yeah, yeah. And Paul says, "Hey." No, no. Don't let your hearts be troubled, if you like. Uh, the falling away must come first. So even in Paul's day, things were being uh, predicted that yeah. uh, were causing yeah. anxiousness and fear. I'm really looking forward to your sermon this uh, this coming uh, uh, Saturday at the Brighton Church because you're sharing on this subject and, and you're quite passionate. I, I really appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing our listeners, those from Adelaide at least. Second Peter chapter 3, and you read um, uh, verse uh, 9 before. But as you said, the context is about the last days. The context is about when Jesus comes back. And what I really like here, uh, to give the context, is um, uh, Peter is saying he wants us in verse 2 to be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the teaching of us, he says, the apostles of the Lord and Saviour. So he's saying, I want you to be rooted in Scripture. Yeah. What did the prophet say? What does the Bible teach? And he says, verse 3 of chapter 3 of Second Peter, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, what are you worried about, you Christians? You know, um, things are going to continue. But Peter goes on, For this we will, they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were evolved and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. So he's saying they've forgotten how the world was destroyed previously with Noah's yeah, flood. Yeah. But he says, but at the end of time the earth is reserved for fire, judgment. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's happening. But then we get this beautiful text that you read earlier. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing, not wanting, desiring, pleading, begging through his spirit what a that we will repent. this actually paints of our God. This is apparent to their children. This is. Yeah. And I think it's Ezekiel where, where this picture of God, turn, turn from your evil ways. Yeah. Come back yeah. to me. But in verse 10, you've had the plea in verse 9. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It will come unexpectedly in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, verse 11, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? And he says we need to live holy and godly lives, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So, so in other words, this this isn't a, a designed to be a fear-mongering. There's no fear-mongering involved in what the scriptures are actually teaching. There's so much a sensational uh, stuff in the world that uh, will generate fear. And yet if you take a scripture within its context and you discover what the entire teaching is, it's actually a real picture of hope. This is a message of love, a message of hope. I want to finish on one verse, Please Gary. Do. Second last verse of the entire scriptures, John, the beloved disciple who is in love with his Lord, who is longing for him to come back. Uh, Jesus says to him, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Yeah. And John's yeah. response, amen, even so. so come, come Lord, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. This yeah. is not fear. This, this is, is so hope. beautiful. Let's, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, I come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for the promises of your word. 
Lord, thank you for the promises of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the, uh, thank you that Jesus came to this earth. Lord, I want to say thank you for your promise that you will come again. Uh, Lord, thank you for the uh, prophetic promises. Uh, I pray, Lord, that indeed uh, this will become more and more real to each of us. Lord, I just pray for each of our listeners. Lord, if there's anyone who's struggling right now, maybe with a health issue, Lord, maybe uh, it's with a uh, a financial issue. Uh, Lord, maybe it might be with a relationship issue. Lord, I just pray as that person uh, just acknowledges that in their mind to you. I just pray that you would be with them right now. Lord, I pray that you might give them healing. Lord, I pray that indeed you will respond to the desires of their heart. Uh, Lord, I pray that indeed uh, they will be uplifted by the power of your spirit and held until that great day. Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray are going to be looking at the question, apocalyptic books, should they scare me? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy a Keith Green. There is a Redeemer. God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God. Messiah, oh, for sinners slain.